Good morning, Glad Tidings. Welcome to the second week of our series entitled My Life, His Life. Last week, I told you the amazing story about Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell and how he and three of his comrades were in this intense all-day firefight with over 100 Taliban soldiers in the mountains of Afghanistan. And as the story goes, unfortunately, three of those three comrades of Marcus's, they perished there on that mountain. But miraculously, Marcus Luttrell, he survived. And with multiple gunshot, through and through gunshot wounds to his, to his body and with, with a broken back and with multiple compound fractures in his legs, <laughs> he took this seven-mile journey, this seven-mile crawl to safety. Unbelievable story. How did he do it? He did it seven feet at a time. How do you live a legacy for Jesus Christ? You do it seven feet at a time. You do it one day at a time. How many of you have been watching the Olympics these days? There are some legacy athletes that we have been watching. Uh, Michael Phelps is one of them. He is the most decorated Olympian of all time with 28 medals. Unbelievable story. And uh, a, a legacy, really, a legacy. He, is, he has left a, laugh, a lasting, excuse me, influence on the world of competitive swimming. And if you were to sit down today and ask Michael Phelps, how did you do it? How did you live a legacy? I'm not sure what he would tell you today, but I want you to hear what he said 15 years ago. 15 years ago, Michael Phelps was interviewed. He was 15 years old. He had in his heart a dream to make it to the Olympics. He was not renowned. He, he did not have the 28 medals. He had never been to the Olympics. I want you to hear what he says and see if you can hear and see if you can discern what it was that caused him to become so successful as a swimmer. Roll film. Um. I haven't even got my learners yet, so I guess after I get my learners, I will get my license and I'm going to get a car, so I'm looking forward to that. I'd like to, I guess, have some more best times in other events, maybe get close to world records in those, I don't know. Um, I think that I guess my, one of my long-term goals is to win the gold medal in Athens and go on more than one event. So, I mean, I have a lot of goals, but I think that I just want to take day by day. You know, I mean, if you're going to world champs and... You win, that means you're going to be the world champion of that year, and it's going to be pretty sweet. Just, I mean, just to be like, yeah, you're the world champ. I mean, I think it just sounds cool. I don't, I, I don't really live the normal life as a teenager. I mean, I get a lot of things, or I give, I guess I give up a lot of things, but I mean, I'm getting tons, tons of other things that normal 15-year-olds aren't getting. So I think that, I think this is a life that anyone could dream of, and I'm definitely loving it. All right. What was his goal? Athens. He wanted to make it to Athens. And then he begins to talk, right? I'm getting my driver's license. And he starts saying things. He says things like, I'm going to just live each day at a time, just one day at a time. He says, I don't live the normal life as a teenager. I've given up a lot. Right? But at the end, he says, it's worth it all. Can I tell you this morning, it's no different for us to live a legacy. It's no different. 
my goal is not to become an Olympic athlete. It's never going to happen. Okay? I have loftier goals. I have greater goals. My goal is for Jesus Christ to live his life through me one day at a time. That's my goal. And how's that going to happen? It's going to happen for me the same way it's going to happen for you. It's going to happen one day at a time. I'm going to live like nobody else. I'm not going to live the normal life. I'm going to give up a lot of things, but it's worth it all. How many of you say amen this morning? We're going to do this thing seven feet at a time. The big idea behind this series of my life, his life, is that my life is no longer my life to live. When you come to Christ, the Bible says the old you is gone. It's passed away. The new you has come. The new you is Christ in you. So now your life is now his life to live through you. We get to wake up every morning and say, okay, God, this is your day. This is your life. How do you want to live it? Right? And how many of you know we can only live one day at a time? Sometimes we tend to live in the past and in the good old days, right? Other times we tend to live out there in the future. Well, maybe one of these days, right? But how many of you know all we have is today? All we have is right now. And to live a legacy, to allow God to live his life through you, we have to do this thing just one day at a time, seven feet at a time. And through this series, we want to teach you how to do that. We want to teach you how to do that in the area of of your finances, um, of your own physical body, what you put into your body, how you treat your body. Um, We're going to talk about God's mission over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about your time and and how your time really isn't your time when you become born again. It's his time. So we live this, not this improved life as believers. We live this this exchanged life as, as believers. Jesus took our place of punishment on the cross. And now we we are now identified with Jesus Christ. And here's how the Apostle Paul put it. And I'm going to read through several scriptures just really quick here. You'll have them up on the screens. But the Apostle Paul put it like this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 6.11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In Colossians 3, verse 3, for you died and your life is now what? It's hidden with Christ in God. In Colossians 2, 6 says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So these scriptures tell me this morning that when we come to Christ, right, um, he's not just part of our life. Right. He is our very life. So everything that we are about now and everybody we come in contact with and everything in our lives, uh, including money, is it is his. It belongs to him. And today our focus is uh, is going to be my money, his money, my money, his money. 
I want you to look at this scripture with me in John chapter 17, verse 10. I quoted this scripture last week, John 17, 10. Jesus here is praying to his father and he says to the father, he says, Father, all I have is yours and all that you have is mine. And then he says, and glory has come to me through them. Let's go to the next scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 11 this morning. Romans eleven thirty-five. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Next verse. For from him and through him and for him are what? All things. Let's read that again. For from him, everything comes from him, and through him and for him are all things. Watch this. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Both of these scriptures are saying God owns it all. Both of these scriptures end with, to God be the glory. What does that mean, glory? That word glory means high renown or honor won by notable achievements. High renown or honor won by notable achievements. How many of you know God deserves the glory? God deserves the praise for all of his renown, for all of his honor, for all of his notable achievements. You know, I pray often, this is my prayer for Glad Tidings. God, make a name for yourself through Glad Tidings Church. Make a name for yourself in Omaha, Nebraska and around the world. God, be glorified in the earth. And when I pray that, I'm asking God, I'm asking that God would use my money, his money, to make a name for himself. You know, there's a lot of great teaching on biblical finance. But what often gets overlooked when it comes to money is the motive behind the money. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. See, the motive answers the question, why? Right. Why did you do this? Why do you do that? We're explaining we're we're exploring the motive behind the money here for a few moments this morning. We want to know how to make more money. We want to know how do I protect my investment? God wants to know why. God wants to know the motive behind the money. He's more interested in knowing what's in your heart than what's in your hand. You see, when God has your heart, God has your hand. If the heart is right, the hand will naturally follow. So God has always been more interested about what's in your heart about money, the motive behind the money, than anything else. So how do you know what's in your heart? How can you see into your heart? Well, it's actually rather simple. Follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. Okay. If you want to find crime, you usually find the money trail. You find out why. You find out what's in somebody's heart. You follow the money trail. Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, right, there will your heart be also. If you want to know what's in your heart, if you want to know where you, what, what your treasure is, Look at what you spend your money on. 
That's what Jesus said. You see, money is a mirror, a mirror. What does a mirror do? A mirror reflects an image. And money is a mirror in that it reflects an image. It reflects it reflects um, um, whose image you bear. Money reflects what's important to you, my life or his life. So money is like a mirror. It reflects. It reflects who you love. My life or his life. Money is also a magnifier. When I was a kid, we used to play with magnifying lens. How many of you ever done that? Come on, boys. Right. We'd start the forest on fire with a magnifying glass, you know. Uh, we'd find bugs and insects and little animals and, well, we won't go there. We won't talk about that. Uh, but we would, we would capture the, the sun through this magnifying and it would get, the sun's power would be magnified and the heat would be there. Money is a magnifier, right? It, it's a, this is what Dave Ramsey said about money. He said, money doesn't fix your life. It just magnifies who you already are. If you're a big jerk before you had money, you'll be a bigger jerk after you have money. That's what he said. So money is a mirror. It reflects, right, who you love. It's also a magnifier. It, it, um, it magnifies what's important to you. So in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, great scripture, Jesus said this. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's stop there. Jesus is talking about money. And two words in this passage just jump out at me. And the first word is the word trust. And the second word is the word love. How many of you know that God is looking for people who he can trust with his possessions? He's looking for people who he can trust with his property. And God may give you a little bit of his property and he's watching to see if you are trustworthy of his property. And if you are trustworthy of his property, in other words, you invest it in things that matter to God. God gives you more of his property because you are now a trustworthy servant. God is looking for wise stewards to invest his resources in. Somebody once said, if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. Trust. God is looking for people he can trust with his property. The second word is the word love. God is looking for a people who love the master more than the master's money. No man can serve two masters. He will love one, hate the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. God is looking for a kingdom of people who love him, the master, more than money. 
That's what he's looking for. And if he can find somebody that he can trust and he can find somebody who's in love with him, God will direct resources that way because he knows it won't get stopped up there. He knows that money will be channeled toward his kingdom. Oftentimes when the subject of money comes up in the New Testament, this word love pops up as well. In fact, you'll find it in almost every verse that you hear money. You'll see the word love. Because money reveals who we are in love with. I want you to notice the word love in a few passages of scriptures this morning. We'll start with 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse number six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. You were a naked baby when you were born. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I had the privilege of doing a funeral service yesterday for Kay Winklebauer who passed away last week. She passed away. She died at 104 years of age. Can you believe that? She was born in 1912, the year that Titanic sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic. She's lived a lot of life. And we, we got in the cars and we had this big funeral procession to the cemetery and the hearse and the lead car and all these cars. And you know what I noticed? There was not one U-Haul truck in the procession. The only thing that she took with her were the clothes on her back. The only thing we're going to take with us are the clothes on our back and the legacy, the lasting influence that we left behind. We have an opportunity in our lifetime to say, you know what, God, my money is your money. And I want to use it to make a lasting influence. Verse 8. But if we have food and clothing. We will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation. And a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. That plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they have pierced themselves with many griefs. Money is not the root of all evil. We know that. The love of money is. Money is amoral. It's neither good nor it's evil. It just depends what you do with it. It's like a hammer. You can use a hammer to build a house. You can use a hammer to tear down a house. You can use money to build the kingdom. You can use money to tear down the kingdom. You can use money to make a name for yourself. You can make money, use money to make a name for God. So money is like a tool in this way. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil, all kinds of evil. How can we know then? Here's the here's the question. How can we know if we are in love with money? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Raise your hand this morning if you're satisfied with your income. You don't need to raise your hand. (laughs) 
If I were to ask you, honestly, are you content with how much you earn? How many of you would say, it's, it's, it's enough? Or would you say, you know, it's not enough. It's not enough and it's never enough. If that is your attitude towards your paycheck, the Bible says that you're in love with money. Don't send me the nasty emails. I don't want to see them. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I'm not the author. I'm not the origin of Ecclesiastes 5.10. And this pokes at all of us. Okay. Here's the solution to the love of money. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Why? How? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So no matter how much you make or how much you don't make, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear and go, man, I don't know. You know, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to pay this, this bill. I don't know how I'm going to survive in retirement. I don't know if social security is enough. I don't know if I have enough saved up. My friend, the Bible says you can be free from the love of money because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He said, forsake you. He said, he said this. He said, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and my glory. That tells me that God will take care of me. And the day I die, I will wear some articles of clothing, and that's all I will take with me to the grave. <laughs> but, but I can take things with me. I can take things with me. I can take a legacy with me. I can take a lasting influence on this earth with me. I want my life to count. I want 28 medals in the kingdom of heaven. I want to be a decorated kingdom man. And when I get there, I'm going to take my 28 medals, my crown, and I'm going to lay them at the feet of my master, Jesus Christ. I want that kind of life. I want it to matter for God. You see, freedom from the love of money, it doesn't come from amassing riches, but from the revelation that you are already rich. Freedom from the love of money doesn't come from getting more. It comes from realizing what you already have in God. Listen, if, we're, if we really pray like Jesus and we really believe that, God, all I have is yours, and, here's the part, do you really believe this? All God has is mine. Do you believe that? Every challenge you face, every financial challenge you face, God, all you have is mine. Freedom Worship Center in North, North Omaha, just recently they, they were told that, um, that the building they were renting was going into foreclosure. Um, the bank was calling the note on the loan, and so there was a, an auction, 
and the Warren Buffett's company showed up for the auction and they were going to put down lots and lots of money to buy this, this building and turn it into a grocery store. Pastor Jeff and Freedom Worship Center, they called to the church to pray. And for a month they were praying and they were fasting. And the came time of the auction day. Warren Buffett's company showed up and, and Pastor Jeff showed up and other people showed up. And, and the auction was going to begin. And, and Pastor Jeff and stepped aside with the, the man from Warren Buffett's company. And they had a talk on the side and... And the man asked Pastor Jeff, do you guys really want this building? And Pastor Jeff said, yeah, we want this building. We believe God would have us have this building. And so he stepped out of the bidding. And Freedom Worship Center, they purchased the building for what was left on the note. Got an incredible deal. Can I tell you this morning, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and his glory. About 14 years ago, we moved into a new home, and the new house had a brand new cedar deck built on the back of it. I've told the story, but it's a good one, so here it comes again. <laughs> and it was a wonderful cedar deck, and we enjoyed it, and we lived there for, for about, well, we lived there for five years, but after the first year, we said, you know, this is a nice cedar deck, but it's really not enough. We need a really nice patio so when you walk onto the deck, you can step onto the patio. We need a nice patio as well. And we had $800 saved up and we had 800 in the bank and we felt rich for the first time in our lives because we didn't have a credit card payment that month. So we called the contractor and the contractor came out and he, and he bid on the patio. And wouldn't you know it, the, the bid on the patio came in at exactly $800. Praise the Lord. We were so excited, Right. So was it praise the Lord or it was funny how the devil works, right? And before we said yes to the patio, we said to each other, you know what? Let's, let's put off this big decision for a month. And after a month of praying and then thinking about it, if we feel like we can't live without the patio, and we feel like God wants us to have this blessing, then we'll get the patio. Well, during that month of praying, we read this book by Dave Ramsey called Total Money Makeover. Needless to say, we did not get the patio <laughs> at the end of the month. Instead, we took the $800 and we applied it to our car payment and we paid off our car early. And now we make a generous car payment to missions every month. And some of you are saying this morning, Pastor, nothing wrong with the patio. And I'm with you. I understand that. Go buy the patio. Get the patio. Listen, most days I would agree with you, but not today. It mattered to God that day. You see, for all of our life, we had been living paycheck to paycheck. And as soon as we got a little bit of money, we'd go out and we'd spend it. And oftentimes we'd spend it before we even had it in our hands. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And what had happened was we became, we became slave and, mass, and, and money became the master. And we decided that it's now time in our life to get that thing turned around. Right? Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. We had to make a decision that day. Is Jesus master or is MasterCard master? Is Jesus our supply or is MasterCard our supply? 
And so that patio revelation and that book just kind of opened up a whole new world to us. And we did something um, crazy. We went on an 18-month spending fast. For a year and a half, we purchased only things that were absolutely necessary in our lives to exist. That means we, we didn't go out to eat for a year and a half. We didn't spend money on entertainment for a year and a half. We didn't spend money on our home or home improvements for a year and a half. We bought no clothing for a year and a half. We bought only the essential groceries. We didn't buy all the prepackaged, all this and that. We bought essentials. We did this for a year and a half and we declared, God, my money is your money. God, you're our master, not MasterCard. Now watch what God did over those 18 months. Immediately after making that decision, somebody donated a truck to us, which is really interesting because we needed that to, to, uh, um, to pick up all the free things that God gave to us over that 18 months. <laughs> First the truck, then someone gave us a minivan. We drove the minivan for six months and then a family in our church had triplets, I think it was, and they needed more space than we did. So we gave them the minivan. And the list goes on and on. We got a whole new wardrobe for Anne and it just the right size, all the right seasons. And it came from a single man in our congregation who we didn't even know. Tags still on. It was amazing. Well, we uh, God supplied meat. He supplied a full year's worth of meat. And yes, it was roadkill, but it was fresh roadkill. <laughs> all right. It was fresh venison. And I know what fresh is. I worked as a butcher growing up in my dad's butcher shop. Uh, and it was very clean and very edible. And we thank God for it. And everybody said, thank you very much. Uh, we were given a couple wheat grinders. We made our own bread for a year and a half. Somebody donated landscape materials, patio furniture, trampoline for our kids, a porch swing, homeschool supplies for our boys, a treadmill for Carrie. Some of these things were needs and some of them were wants. But God supplied. We were declaring that Jesus was our master, not MasterCard. And in the process of declaring Jesus as our master, he showed himself as our provider. That's how God works. In 2011, I asked the question to the whole church. This was six years ago. I said, glad tidings, what could the people of God do in the kingdom of God if they were debt free? And I challenged the church, let's take a journey together to becoming debt free. And over 500 people back in 2011 enrolled in Financial Peace University. Over 500 people enrolled in this program we called Momentum, which is financial peace on steroids. <laughs> and here's what happened that semester. In one semester, almost $300,000 was saved, personal savings from this congregation. Over $400,000 in debt was paid off in, in that semester. And since then, since 2011, we have offered 35, over 35 Financial Peace University classes here at Glad Tidings with over 3,000 participants. That's a lot of people learning how to manage God's money, God's way. And just this last year, back in January, we moved into a new facility, 14,000 square foot. We've remodeled existing parts of our building. 
It was a $3 million project. We said we believe that God's, our money is God's money and we are debt free today. This is what happens. This is what happens when God's people say, my money, his money. Say it with me. My money, his money. Incredible. So I want to show you a video here this morning. Um, it's a financial peace video. If you're not familiar with this incredible tool, we want you to be um, familiar with it because my money, his money, we can shout about it. We can scream about it. We can even tithe about it. But if we don't learn how to manage God's money, God's way, we will always be slave to money. And so we, we're not just wanting to preach a good message about this. We want to take you on a journey. Here's what financial peace is all about. Financial Peace University began about 20 years ago. And now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. This is the place where we start happening to our money, where we start aiming our dollars at our goals. You've got to make your money behave. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and be broke. There's a massive group of people out there trying to sell you stuff. They want to interrupt your plan. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. God's all in this thing. He's all about fixing you. He's all about fixing me. There's a redemption story built into this whole thing. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Now, this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, or you say, I've had it. This is how you get out of debt. you got to run for your life. you got to run, 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 run. you got to bust it. You gotta go like your life depends on it. What would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt? How much of this world could we as believers change? Awesome. So the big idea about Financial Peace University is to get on a budget, get out of debt, so you can do what God is telling you to do with His money. Most families live paycheck to paycheck, and the reason is, is they don't have a plan. Financial Peace University is a step-by-step -step plan on how to get out of debt, how to save money, how to invest money in things that matter to God. FPU is a nine-week course. We are starting it here in just a few weeks. It's a nine-week course. Each week you would come to a 90-minute class where you'll watch Dave Ramsey on a teaching. It's led by a facilitator. You break into small groups. You have workbooks. You have resources. It's incredible. It's incredible. We're offering two classes this fall, um, and the first one begins on Sunday mornings at 9.30. It's during this service, 9.30. So here's what you do. Come to 8 o'clock service. Everybody say, oh, Yeah. Come to 8 o'clock service, go to 9.30 Financial Peace University, right? Begin September 11th, 9.11, September 11th, we begin our first FPU class. We only have 80 seats available on Sunday morning. So you got to register quick. The good news is we have 120 seats available on Tuesday nights at 6.30, the second class that we're offering, and that begins on September 13th. So we have 200 seats. 
And I think we need to fill every one of them. And not so I can call Dave Ramsey. By the way, I've met with him. I've got my picture taken with him. (laughs) Not so we can call him and brag. 200 people signed up. No, I want to see you free. I want to see money take its rightful place in your life as servant and not master. I want to see Jesus take take rightful place in your life as master of all. My money, his money. The cost is only $100 for the course. (gasps) Ever been to college? My wife is going right now. One of her textbooks costs like $160. For one book, she probably won't even read. <laughs> you know, but you got to buy them anyway, right? Hundred bucks. Best investment you'll ever make. The average American pays $5,300 off of debt and saves $2,700 in the first 90 days of taking Financial Peace University. And the first class is free. So try before you buy if you'd like. Show up to the first class. Okay, yeah, I'm all in. Here's my hundred bucks. Alumni, it's free. You can sign up today at the uh, information center at the kiosk. You can sign up at gladtidingsomaha.com. Uh, uh, Glad you, can, you can sign up at the Financial Peace University website. Three ways you can sign up, okay? That's the altar call today. All right? How many of you believe God owns it all? He owns it all. Amen. My money, his money is an everyday decision. And we want to train you. We want to equip you how to live like that every day. How to take that seven, that seven foot crawl every day. My money, his money. My money, his money. My money, his money. Every single day. So invest your life in this. Go to Financial Peace University, nine, nine weeks long, and you will be blessed for it. So here are three takeaways this morning as we close. Number one, sign up for Financial Peace University. Number two, find someone this week in need and give them some of God's money. Give them some of God's money. And number three, if you want to declare with me this morning that your money is in fact God's money, I want you to stand to your feet right now. God, I declare this morning that my money is his money. Declare this morning that money is not your master. Jesus is your master. We're going to tell him this morning through this chorus, through this song, that he is worthy of it all. From him and to him are all things. I want you to put your hands out this morning. God, we we open our hands. We put our hands before you. And they're open hands, God. And we say, God, everything that you put in these hands is from you, is through you, and is to you this morning, God. We are not going to hold with closed hands anything that you give us. We're going to hold with open hands, God. You can put whatever you want in these hands. Find these hands trustworthy. Find these hands loving you with everything. And God, we know that you can also take out of these hands whatever you want for your kingdom because it all belongs to you. In Jesus' name.